please. This is our podcast about Christianity, culture, politics, and everything in between. Today we're talking about Juneteenth. That's right. We're actually coming off the heels of a big House vote that yeah. followed a Senate vote to make Juneteenth a national holiday. Juneteenth National Independence Day. F- What's the difference between a national holiday and a federal holiday? Oh, actually, I don't know. You're right. It, a federal holiday. But are those the same thing? I think it's like we recently had Flag Day. Maybe that's a holiday, but you don't get the day off. Oh, but this is a, the day I think off. a federal holiday. I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Too bad it's a Saturday this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. That's not the purpose, to get the day off. The purpose right, 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 yes. is remembrance. Yeah. And... I really, I don't think I'd ever heard of Juneteenth until last year, which I'm kind of ashamed to say. I know. Honestly, me too. I was kind of chiding Taylor earlier because he was like, I didn't know what Juneteenth was. And I was like, well, I guess I didn't really either till last year. Um, And I grew up in the South. At least you had, you know, you grew up in the crazy West Coast as a excuse. Um, I guess so. But we should tell our listeners what Juneteenth is in case they also don't know. What is it? (laughs) Historically, Juneteenth uh, marks the day in 1865 when the very last people in America who were known to be enslaved on U.S. soil were finally set free. Um, It's when I heard this history, I was like, wow, this is crazy. This can't be true but it is on june 19th in 1865 uh this was almost two months after the confederate general robert e lee surrendered uh this is at at the end of the civil war a union general arrived in galveston texas to inform enslaved african-americans of their freedom and that the civil war had ended uh, this Union General's name was General Granger, hmm. and his announcement put into effect the Emancipation Proclamation, which had been issued more than two and a half years earlier in 1863 by President Abraham Lincoln. So, cr- so crazy, af- that long after the Emancipation Proclamation, you know, long after mm-hmm. the war had ended, the news had not reached Galveston, Texas. It was June 1865. Uh, yes, June 19, 1865, two months after Robert E. Lee surrendered. Yeah. So I recently read, you know, the Civil War history. And just like the the Appomattox Courthouse surrender is viewed as... I'd always thought of like, well, that was the end of it. But there were actually other... Like that was Lee's surrender, which is kind of the... Uh, the domino that started the others falling because there were other generals out there fighting and armies fighting that oh, had yet to still surrender. Yeah, I kind of thought like that was the end. Yeah, I did too. I did too. But it it trickled down. You can just think of you know how uh, news traveled, and I guess even with telegram telegraph uh, communication, which is you know lightning fast compared to other forms of communication, it, it took a bit, for, and even just for you know Confederates to surrender. To give up hmm. yeah. yeah i was reading i was like well why did this news not travel you know there quick enough um and you know there's people actually don't know why it didn't reach hmm. uh, texas until then um but some different ideas that they have were that um it just took a while mm-hmm. <laughs> as things did back then um there's also the thought that 
it was deliberately withheld by mm. enslavers to ensure their labor force um, and plantation owners who wanted one more cotton crop. Oh, wow. So there, there's lots of different... Somebody said, you know, the murder of Lincoln's messenger might have happened. So lots of different theories hmm. out there. It sounds like nothing has been confirmed as to why. But it would have hit enslaved black Americans, uh, like not in Texas, sooner. Like there are people who right. found out. Right. This is where the last right. enslaved people found out. So... I guess, you know, I learned about Juneteenth in the context of the massive, just, I guess, racial injustice reckoning and attention and discussions last year that resulted, you know, a chain of murders of black men and women, children, Mm -hmm. uh, of course, George Floyd's murder. And so this is happening in the you know, context of that, right? right? And bringing attention to, I think, long overdue attention to uh, slavery in America. And it's it's an ugly thing to to look at, to reflect on. Yeah, you know, um, you and I this year have read a number of different histories and books and mm-hmm. different explainers on this. And um I've really been shocked about the things in the last, you know, hundred years of our nation's history, events that I did not know happened. Um, Hmm. And through, you know, books that we have been reading and I've thought to myself, why, why did, I mean, I, I love history. You love history. Yeah. Yeah. You're a history major. I took, you know, yeah, lots of history classes and so many of these stories I had no idea. Um, An example that has really in the past months I've just been this historical time keeps coming back to me being shocked that this happened in America um, was the Tulsa uh, massacre Uh, in 1921 which I read about in Latasha Morrison's book Be the Bridge Hmm. Um, and Wall Street Journal had a good focused feature on because it was a hundred years ago Mm -hmm. uh, two weeks ago mark the hundred years mark yes on uh, May 31st and June 1st um and this was when a falsely accused black man um Mm. was being held at the Tulsa uh courthouse to protect him because white mobs wanted to lynch him he was um never proven guilty falsely accused of harming uh, a white girl who entered an elevator with him she never pressed charges never said that it happened wow and um, just the white residents were so got really worked up. Uh, they got weapons from the police force. Hmm. Um, they printed in the newspaper that uh, get ready. We're going to go uh, to the black part of town. Wow. And I, I mean, it was overt. And I think um, I read that thousands of white residents crossed the train tracks into the black neighborhood of town Greenwood and just started uh, lynching, burning down homes, uh, committing horrible atrocities. This is just 1921, I mean, 100 years yeah. ago. Um, and I, I never heard this history before. Yeah, there is a lot that's, that's hidden and or not prominent. I mean, you and I are both white, and I think that probably, I mean, that has to have an impact on what we pay attention to. Um, and even 
So in college for me, there were, uh, I took a class on women's history mm-hmm. in the U.S., which was taught by the same professor who did uh, African-American history. And there I learned about Fannie Lou Hamer, mm-hmm. who uh, I remember then I loved her story so much and inspired by it, I used it for uh, my public speaking class mm-hmm. later. And just a woman who fought for voting rights in Mississippi, was in prison multiple times, uh, I think she's you know, she's famous for a number of things, but I think the, the saying "I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired," hmm. um, you know, beaten, abused, uh, over and over. Uh, maybe it was in that context you know, I learned about. First saw Emmett Till, hmm. his brutal murder for the same reasons, you know, accusations of maybe just looking at a white woman the wrong way, and then his mother's decision to have an open casket viewing. Hmm and those uh horrific photographs um and then just the the i'm blanking on the name of it it's a new museum slash memorial that's opened up i believe in alabama Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe it's like the museum of social justice maybe you can look it up while i'm I'm talking but commemorating the four thousand or so lynchings of mostly black americans uh, very moving. I've just seen photos and would love to visit, but just even that awareness uh, recently. The, the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. National Memorial for Peace and Justice. Yeah. It's just, it's shocking to me that those lynchings happened not that long ago. Mm-hmm. The other experience we can plug it to our friend, uh, the Reverend Bill Haley his family living out in Quicksburg, Virginia. They have a retreat center on the 17 acre property. And uh, they recently discovered a slave cemetery Mm. on the property, which they have now, they worked with a few universities in the area and mapped it out and figured out some of the names of the people who were buried there previously, you know, crudely marked graves, if they were marked at all, Mm. Uh, you know, just first names of the people there, some unidentified. Um, but hearing that story and learning about that just in, you know, an area nearby, hmm. uh, I think it was that County where Quicksburg is maybe the, the last enslaved humans in Virginia, perhaps wow. most recently I'm blanking on the date, but even just going there and reflecting on that and being present in kind of confronting this, it's, it's just, uh, <laughs> it's deeply sad. It's it's hurtful i guess to it just it hurts to to reflect on and think about yeah and i think you know um so this this juneteenth memorial uh, this holiday that was voted on mm-hmm. this week um and i look at uh, thankfully it was you know passed by a bipartisan majority um mm-hmm. it seemed pretty obvious to me that this is worthy of a holiday yeah um i was saddened to see a handful of republicans i think uh, the number was 14 republicans voted against it for a myriad reasons you know some didn't want to create another federal holiday where federal employees get the day off or something like that um but i i, I was really disappointed in their inability to see how important this day is in both 
creating this kind of national consciousness and remembrance. Um, and I thought that the president of the Heritage Foundation, Kay Coles James, said something um, really great about why Juneteenth is important. Hmm. And she said, it is the day that we as a people finally began to live up to one of the greatest principles we've pro- professed, a nation devoted to liberty for all. Yeah. And this was, this was the day where we lived up to the principles that Thomas Jefferson wrote down that were yet unrealized until Juneteenth right. um, for every single American. And... Um, freedom for all, you know, all of these principles that we celebrate on other American holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. This is the day where it all came to fruition. And it was just a bummer to see 14 of these guys who couldn't see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, you know, there's still work to do and ways to go, right? You know, civil rights movement happened in the mid sixties and like voting restrictions and, you know, now disproportionate violence, police violence against black uh black community and uh, other minorities um but that point that you were saying i think it's it's made it that that's been something that i've really i guess learned the past year is what is my immediate reaction to these things whether it's uh, a video or a picture of violence against a black person by police or others even uh, is it to hop to, or even like in a religious context, Christian community, right? We talk about like George Whitfield, famous evangelist, Jonathan Edwards owned slaves. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Edwards owns two slaves at one time, black, black people and them because they were black, you know, no other reason. And hearing, I think Jamar Tisby pointing this out and some others that, you know, and this is what I've taken away is not to hop to like a conclusion to excuse it, but to like focus on the wrong thing, like focus on what the the injustice in the situation instead of maybe excusing Jonathan Edwards. Like, well, he, but he did all these other great things and let's talk about that. It's like, no, 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 let's actually focus on the slave part and really, you know, examine like, should I be citing Jonathan Edwards in the same way I have Mm. before because of, and not just saying, oh, it's, you know, context and his time. Like, I think I've been challenged to really wrestle with, with that. And mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, what these reactions from the Republicans who voted no, uh, that seems to be the missing ingredient there. Right. And, you know, it's hard to, I mean, let's call it what it is. Uh, slavery is and treating another human the way slaves were treated is a sin. Yes. And it's hard to stare at sin that was part of our national yeah. con- like national way of living, the economy, yeah. our culture, so much of it. Um, it's hard to grapple with that. I mean, you and I, we, we took a trip um, to Kenya and Tanzania, and there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we saw where... Um, some of the slave trade occurred where Arab slave traders took it. It seemed like it was largely to like England. They weren't probably in Zanzibar. Yeah. Yeah, From Zanzibar where we were. And it just really, um, it was emotional to see that that's where this happened, where people were taken in chains from their home forcibly. Mm -hmm. Um, and just confronting evil and, 
sin is just hard to do, especially when it's a part of a nation that you feel strongly about and is good in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I guess what Frederick Douglass said, I was really moved by his, the speech he gave to the dedication of this emancipation statue in Lincoln park near where we used to live in Mm -hmm. Washington, DC. Uh, up until well from that point until barack obama's inaugural address in 2008 it was the like largest audience of uh, government officials that a black person ever spoken in front of hmm. i think it was 1871 72 something like that and just the the his balancing of like confronting the the evil the sin of slavery but then also the ideals of america so ideals, you know, Jefferson, who owned multiple, like dozens of slaves, writes this document that is the foundation for liberty in the U.S. and countries around the world. Uh, but Douglas is just, I think, holding both of those things at the same time was inspiring for me and a helpful way for me, for, way for me to think about and kind of confront this. But Taylor, that takes nuance. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think... Another thing I've come to this year is that we can't have a conversation about this history. We can't, um, it, it has become so charged to, uh, talk about solutions and whatnot because lately, and I think we've talked about this with other issues, everything is seen through the lens of the culture war, Right. It's, right. You know, right. are you a critical race theory Marxist? Are you a white supremacist? It's like put in these True. black and white camps where um, you can't you can't say, well, Thomas Jefferson did have some good ideas. He did not live up to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. You can't have a nuanced kind of conversation. It's, you know, um they they didn't live up to it, so they're canceled and taken out. Or um, right, if you're going to talk about race issues at all, then you're a critical race theorist and a Marxist, and you want to destroy America. And it's this like hyperbolic language about um, confronting these tough issues. And so if we keep putting it into this kind of culture war context, mm-hmm. I just feel like it. We're not going to come out of this. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's a good point. And your earlier emphasis on this being sin, too, mm. uh, is good. You know, how, how should Christians think about this? Um, I, you know, I'm, I, it's inspiring that Juneteenth is now a federal holiday because it can be an opportunity to tell our children, mm-hmm. our child, our family, friends, you know, talk about, I guess, the hope that it represents as well. Yes. Uh, but then also just the real history and sadness of it. And maybe... You know, a, a takeaway too. You know, you're talking about Jefferson and these others. You know, reordering perhaps the way we frame who they are, what they did. George mm-hmm. Washington, slaveholder, but also led a revolution that you know freed up, freed more people than any other revolution in history. Right. Led to centuries of freedom. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, where do we start? How do we order the conversation? I think it's also christian biblical as well to pay attention to the forgotten and i think mm. that's in the u.s history it's you know slavery is an asterisk it's like well george washington did this and this oh yeah and by the way he owned some slaves yeah 
and emphasizing the forgotten people, the people who've unjustly suffered, uh, truly unjustly. I mean, just imagine you know being ripped from your your family, and literally in chains, yeah, beaten, yeah, not having a choice, not having a choice. Right. What you do day to day. Yep. Um, yeah, and I think another thing, you know, why should Christians care about Juneteenth, the holiday? Um, because the Bible is full of imagery of being set free. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. And I was yeah. reading that a lot of Juneteenth celebrations, you know, um, black Americans have been cel- celebrating Juneteenth since, you know, 1866. And... Mm it has involved a lot of prayer and, um, churches holding events and whatnot. Hmm. And, um, the, I don't know, the imagery of being set free and longing for freedom. Um, isn't that an imagery of us here on this earth (laughs) held in bondage by sin, uh, longing for true freedom one day. Amen. (laughs) Well, everyone get excited, Juneteenth. Yep. Read up about how to celebrate and uh, commemorate. Mm hmm. It's a good word. All right, moving on to our weekly segment. Taylor, what is your stinker this week? My stinker was this article I was talking with you about, about this morning in the Gospel Coalition. Would Luther. Uh, did would Luther pick up his phone or something like that? And it was kind of this riff, this thought experiment, like, oh, if smartphones were around, then Martin Luther, you know, key driver of the Protestant Reformation, wouldn't have thought deeply enough to do the things he did. And, you know, smartphones are ruining our attention and our minds, blah, 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 blah. And just the, I'm just so tired of that argument. <laughs> like... If, if this dude was writing this article in 1520, you know, peak Luther, uh, he probably would have said the same things about the printing press or whatever. You know, I was uh, reading Augustine's Confessions and like 300 AD, he's distracted by the plays mm-hmm. and all the things of the time. And it's just, it, it, smartphone is the new, you know, uh, popular pamphlet is the new... You know, Carthaginian play in 300, I think, just relatively speaking and what it did. Nothing good would have happened if anyone had smartphones, Taylor. That's right. Because we're just, yeah. <laughs> Slaves to them. All of you people listening to your podcast on the smartphone right How now. How dare you? <laughs> anyway, that was my stinker. And now you guys get a window into our breakfast discussions. Um, my stinker is... a the kind of cloud of articles surrounding this kind of a niche thing, uh, <laughs> uh, the introduction of a house package of antitrust bills on big tech. So oh. in the house, um, some bipartisan bills on house judiciary committee were introduced to break up big tech. Uh, cause it's so evil. And, um, for work, I was reading about this and reading all the different articles um, that people wrote around it, and it just annoyed me. Like one of the bills, essentially, 
is mad that Amazon uh, both sells the products that they make, you know, Amazon products right. next to all the, you know, small business products that they have on there, other business products that they sell. And this bill wouldn't allow that. So essentially it would make Amazon create like a separate website for Amazon products and a separate website for all the other products it sells. And I was like, what, what consumer <laughs> thinks this is a problem? Like there's no, nobody, I don't want to have to shop on two different websites. Like, come on. You're being harmed by cheap prices, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. And it's just this like kind of strange blind hatred for these companies that sure they do some bad stuff on the margins, I guess, but overall they help make people's lives easier. They um, have brought up our economy and made us the economic dominant player instead of China, Mm -hmm. which if China was the economic dominant player in the world right now, some truly atrocious things would be happening and you would wish that American companies were in charge again. Anyway, (laughs) I was annoyed. (laughs) I really resonate with that stinker because grocery stores do this as well yeah right Publix brands yep. next to you know yep. how Cheerios. dare they yeah <sighs> taylor what That's was your stinker. thinker my thinker back to augustine's confessions wow i'm only 10 pages away from finishing it but i had somewhat i'm assuming it's going to be a good 10 final 10 pages and not tank the book i had attempted over you know over the last 20 years probably like two other times to read confessions wow Finally did some research on a good translation. I went with foreign language, or not foreign, non-English, not whatever language I speak, non-English <laughs> books that were written in another language. Find a good translation. It's really worth huh. like 10 minutes. We did that with Les Miserables. Mm-hmm. I think it made a huge difference. You and I read different War and Peace translations. I was happy with mine. I think you were happy with yours. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this one was by uh, a pro- philosophy professor in one of those Florida universities. Oh. Yeah. It's like, you know, South, Southeastern Florida Ave University. Maria? No, um, it's like a South West Eastern Florida University. 2019, great, very accessible. I would recommend it. Um, so why is it so such a foundational? I think book? it's kind of like what I said with the stinker context. Like he, he wrote this when he was 40 years old and I think 397. He's reflecting on his life, him coming, him coming to Christ and... It's just so uh, identifiable. It's so relatable. Hmm. Who is Augustine Taylor? Augustine was this guy (laughs) who lived in uh, North Africa, Mm -hmm. uh, spent some time, well, essentially came to faith in his 30s, young, low 30s, um, and then became a bishop and very influential theologian, wrote a number of works, but his most famous are Confessions and then The City of God. Um, and people credit him with like, you know, foundational theologian for both Protestants, Catholics, Mm -hmm. maybe Orthodox too. Um, anyway, and it's just, yeah, he's writing about this forward actually, actually talked about like how modern psychology owes credit to confessions, Mm -hmm. you know, because he's, he's going through what's going on in his mind and heart and his emotions and his thoughts. And, um, it's, you know, here I am reading it almost 2,000 years later. Wow. I'm identifying with this guy who wrote the book in Latin. Hmm. And it's just, it's pretty incredible. I mean, so there's like the very identifiable interpersonal relationship with God and struggle and victories there. But then there's also the, I mean, the 
maybe the latter third kind of theologian theology riffing on in the beginning Mm -hmm. and what that means and doesn't mean and it's pretty interesting stuff Hmm. wow heavy (laughs) finally finally did it or 10 pages left i'll count it for now (laughs) what's your thinker (laughs) i thought you'd never ask (laughs) (laughs) now i (laughs) i feel like uh on and on and on i'm gonna sound really dumb now (laughs) after you (laughs) talked about that but whatever i enjoyed it (laughs) it was a novel a fictionalized retelling novels are great of jackie kennedy's life um one of my best friends gave it to me because on this very podcast, I talked about the genre of books that I'm loving, which mm. is Monarch. So she was like, hey, it's an American Monarch. Um, Ooh, hot take. Hot take. And the book <laughs> is called, and they called it Camelot. Um, but yeah, you know, I like new bits and pieces of the Kennedy story, but I didn't know all of Jackie Kennedy's biography. And so just reading this like fictionalized telling um, of all the tragedies that she Mm. went through, you know, I didn't know that she lost two babies and then think, you know, really thinking about what it was like to have her husband assassinated and just, um, and then, you know, RFK really intense, sad Mm. kind of tragic life. And, um, just what she lived through so yeah it was very uh highly recommended well written uh engrossing and committed hmm. down good book nice well those were our stinkers and thinkers and thank you for tuning in to this special juneteenth episode thanks for listening